Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello and welcome to episode 49 of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, author, media and PR coach, copywriter, editor and proofreader and founder of Vegan Business Media, a content events and training platform providing success tips for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. In this episode, I interview Chef AJ, an educator in plant-based eating and living. An ethical vegan for almost 40 years, as of 1st of January 2017, AJ is driven by her passion to end animal exploitation and consumption. With a background in comedy, she's appeared on several high-profile popular TV shows, including The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson, The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, and The Late Show with David Letterman. A chef, culinary instructor, and professional speaker, AJ is the author of the popular book Unprocessed, How to Achieve Vibrant Health and Your Ideal Weight, which chronicles her journey from a junk food vegan faced with a diagnosis of precancerous polyps to learning how to create foods that nourish and heal the body. Based in Los Angeles, AJ teaches people how to create meals to transform their health, how to deal with cravings and food addiction, and addresses the emotional side of eating. She's the creator of the Ultimate Weight Loss Program, was the executive pastry chef at Santa La Brea Restaurant in Los Angeles, creator of Healthy Taste of LA, host of the YouTube cooking show The Chef and the Dietitian, and host of the TV series Healthy Living with Chef AJ, which airs on Foodie TV. In this interview, AJ talks about the importance of daily habits of self-care, such as sleep and family time, and not giving those up when you're running your business, the challenges of running live events and the key thing you need in place to make the process successful, why she doesn't spend time checking out what others in her field are doing, the benefits of self-publishing your book with Amazon's print-on-demand platform, the importance of honing your craft, whether it's making a product or offering a service before you leave your job to start your business, how a diverse job or career history can help you as an entrepreneur, and much more. Here's the interview with Chef AJ. Hello, AJ, and welcome to the show. Thank you very much for joining me. Well, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. So the very first question I ask everyone is, who's running their business, what are your drivers? What are your reasons for what you do? What's your why? Well, I have a few, but I think if you're asking why I, I do my specific job, which is being you know, an educator in the plant-based world, it's because really I think at the end of the day, down deep inside, I just love animals and I don't want people hurting them. And I have been an ethical vegan for almost 40 years now. I'm also a vegan. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's, it's actually, with, I, I say almost 40, but 39 on January 1st. And so when, you know, it's funny because that's it's such an interesting question, Katrina, because I just spoke on a panel at a conference in Los Angeles put on by Jeff, Jeff Nelson of VegSource. And I've never shared the stage with Dr. McDougall. And they actually asked that question. And I didn't go first. I think I went fifth. And when I thought about it, I thought, you know what? Really, when I think about it, that is the reason. 
And, you know, because I could do anything to make money, really. But at the end of the day, I don't want to stop until every cage in a, a shelter is empty, until every factory farm is closed. And I don't think about it a lot because I'm not an animal. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I'm for animal rights, but I'm not an activist anymore. I did that in my 20s and I got burned out. But really, I think that's what keeps me going because, uh, you know, they can't speak for themselves. They can't vote. They can't defend themselves. And if, and if we don't if we aren't their stewards and the stewards of the earth, who is? So I think that in the background, that's always keeps me going. Then, you know, it's just also, why do I work? Well, you know, I like living indoors and eating. Well, you know, and it's funny you say that, that, you know, you're not an activist anymore. I think people like you are, you're just doing yeah. a different form of activism. Do you know what right. I mean? Like, I get what you're saying. You know, I've done right. the kind of, you know, running in, around yeah. in the streets and all the rest of it. But I think when we run vegan owned businesses of any kind, it, it is actually a form of activism. So I, you're right. I love Absolutely. You're so right. I guess I just meant I'm not on the front lines and my hat and my heart goes out to the people that are the people that can do the rescue, the people that can do the civil disobedience and direct action. I did those things in my 20s. And I'm telling you, I don't know. It's, it's almost like being a trauma, um, you know, rescue. You know, it, I don't know. I mean, these, we need these people. I just I got to the point where I'm so sensitive. I just can't watch another video. You know what I'm saying? I but, get it. I but, totally. Yeah. But this is, and, and I can, you know, and it's, it's interesting because when I was a, more into on the front lines and I would work at tables and I would have posters with vivisection animals, I got like one person in like 10 years to go vegan. But the minute I started doing it for health and made it delicious and told people they could lose weight and get off medicines, boy, I got a lot more people enrolled, you know? So not to say that the other isn't important, but I'm not, I don't know what the best way is to reach people. But I'll tell you, um, as a female and a female in a city like Los Angeles, if you can get people uh, slender, they they will do almost anything, even eat plants. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic I love that I love that yeah. and you're right you know we all do do our bit and I noticed we had a little a friend of yours agreeing with yes. you there in the background is yes. that your little I, dog <laughs> I apologize she is my rescued mutt Bailey it's interesting because I adopted her July 1st 2015 from the shelter and I always adopt I mean that's always been that way since I was I mean when we were little we had a you know I was four my parents got a purebred but ever since I started having uh, animal companions always adopted. And so I went to the shelter only two weeks after my dog died, which is kind of soon for me to get another pet. But, you know, it's, you know, you, you want to help them. And so I actually had a puppy picked out because I never had a puppy. I'm almost 60. I've never had a puppy. And John Pierre, my business partner said, if you get a puppy, I'll never talk to you again. He goes, I want you to go in there and take the oldest dog. And I picked the oldest dog and I got the best dog. So uh, that was what, what's the name? Her name is Bailey. She was Katie in the shelter, but we renamed her to Bailey because we like that better. And she's awesome. She's actually in some ways a purebred. They they have all these designer mutts now, and she's a Havanese poodle cross. It's called a Havanoodle, and I guess people pay a lot of money for them. And man, it's just it's great. So she was barking Wonderful. at the Hello, oh, Bailey. Yeah. I always like to do a little shout out if any if any of the pooches. <laughs> Just like they want to be heard, we say a little shout out. So, hello, oh, Bailey. Good. Thank, <laughs> you. Thank you. You know, I, so, I, do a face, I do a Facebook Live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific time, and we always say filmed in front of a live studio audience, and then, you know, we show Bailey, and that's, that's our one studio audience. <laughs> I love that. I love yeah, thank that. Thank you. That's great. So that's a brilliant answer. Great start. So um, now, AJ, I, I found that you have a background in comedy and you've appeared on some really major yeah. and prestigious TV shows like Johnny Carson, Jay no. Leno. 
know. I got tell to us tell about you what, there, there have been two, I mean, well, of course, you know, you could say graduating from college and, you know, getting married are highlights, but those are everybody's highlights. But the two <laughs> highlights of my life were being on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson and speaking at the McDougal Advanced Study Weekend. And those will go down as, as the greatest things. And, you know, speaking on health or nutrition or cooking or anytime you're in front of people, it's the same. It's just what you're saying is different. So it was a natural transition. It wasn't like I woke up one day and said, I don't want to do comedy. I want to be a chef. What happened was, is when I got sick in 2003 with a pre-cancer diagnosis and I was quite overweight, I went to the Optimum Health Institute just, just to get healthy. And then when I found out what I had to eat to be a healthy vegan, I, could, I needed to make it taste good. So then I ended up going to culinary school. So it wasn't even part of my master plan because I already had a job. I was in another field. I worked in healthcare. I was an activity director at a retirement home. And I'll be honest, making a lot more money <laughs> than being a chef. But um, what happened? No, but what happened was is uh, it just it just sort of naturally evolved. And you know they say that the number one fear of most people is public speaking. And I think that once you've done stand up comedy, there is no fear because it's, it's so, <laughs> you can, if you can get through that because you're appearing in a club where alcohol is served and people can be drunk and unruly. And if you can do stand up, you can do anything. And so it wasn't it wasn't hard for me to then just be in front of people, you know, doing, uh, you know, my television show or giving lectures because, you know, I've already, I already did the hardest thing. Oh, absolutely. Gosh, that's some yeah. serious training ground. I've done a little bit of stand up myself and I know that that's like, I'm really glad I did it. And I look back now and I think, gosh, how did I do that? But I'm really glad I did it. Cause like you say, when you, any other stage is kind of like, oh, okay. You know, they're not going to throw things at you and yell, yell insults generally. <laughs> If you're giving a cooking demo or a talk on nutrition, it's always nice to have humor, but people aren't coming there with the expect, expectation that if you're talking about diabetes, you better be funny. And so, and so the thing <laughs> is, is the fact that I try to be funny or am funny is a bonus. But the thing about stand-up is there's that expectation. They paid money. You better make them laugh. And it was always just so stressful. It really was. And so I, I don't know if I would ever do it again, um, but you never know. Yeah, but wonderful that, like you say, you're able to incorporate those skills into what sure. you're doing, which is fantastic. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, what were some when you uh, start? You had obviously a bit of a, a sea change and everything. So, what were some of your key challenges when you first started up your plant-based education business? Well, you know, of course, getting work like anyone else. You know, and in a way, you know, it, 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 we're sort of in a niche field in a way, but then you can also think outside the you know, box of oatmeal and realize that you don't only have to be ministering to vegans. And I don't because I teach at places that are not vegan, like Rancho La Puerta in Mexico and other spas and, you know, cruise ships. And so I think at first, just, you know, just getting your name out there because, you know, nobody knows who you are until they know who you are. You know, people always say, oh, an overnight success. No, usually an overnight success takes 10 or 20 years of people knowing who you are. And so that was the challenge at first because, you know, finding places to speak and, you know, finding, you know, getting my classes filled. And I think that's also maybe the challenge for a lot of people when they're starting out. But I think it is easier now because everybody can have a YouTube channel and everybody can be doing Facebook Live. And this, these things weren't available back then. And so, you know, it's, I think it's easier to get your name out there now than it was when I started. Got it. Yeah, for sure. No, that makes sense. Yeah. So your business 
your business and your brand, it's you, you know, it's Chef AJ. So, yeah. And obviously there's only one of you and one person can only do so much in terms of time. So I noticed you've been really uh, great at leveraging your skills to reach a broader base of people through your teleclasses, your paid webinars yeah. and your online right. programs. What are some of the challenges involved in putting these together and, and what, what tips can you offer us? Yeah, well, I think the, I think the biggest challenge and everybody probably has is this time that we only have 24 hours in a day and you know we have to sleep and many of us have other priorities like family or you know it's funny I was just talking to a girl today she goes why isn't your book done I said it's not done because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna jeopardize my daily habits of self-care like meditation exercise yoga and sleep in order to get it done faster. And so, you know, we, you have to prioritize and it would be so nice sometimes if, like, I remember there was an episode of my favorite show in the 60s, Bewitched, where Andorra made oh, yeah. so that one Darren could go to Hawaii with Samantha and one could stay home at work. And I wish that I, either there was two of me or two of my husband. Uh, that's always, time is always the biggest challenge in balancing, you know, the stuff that you want to do with the stuff you have to do. But I think that's unique to, not unique to me. I think that's everybody's life, you know? For sure. What about with the online stuff, like in terms of technology, like is it, can you offer any tips on that? Like is it difficult to set up these online programs? Well, you know, is here's it the thing. Um, this, this is so funny that of today of all days you're asking me this, Katrina, because I was the person that was most resistant to technology. I wanted nothing to do with it. I didn't want to be Facebook, Twitter. I didn't want to do any of it. It's like, why do I have to do these things just to be successful? And up until June of this year, I didn't even have a smartphone. I was the last really wow. I, <laughs> I never had a text message ever, and I said, I'm never going to get an iPhone. Well, what happened is I was getting ready to go to Mexico for eight days, and my flip phone broke. So I went to the Verizon store, and they said, we can replace this, but it will take a week. But if you take an iPhone, you can have it right now. Well, I can't be out of the country for a week without a phone. So I took it and I see what all the hullabaloo is about because it actually has made my life easier as far as that's concerned. But I still didn't really know how to do anything up until this weekend. Like I didn't know the difference between upload and download. Well, anyway, so what happened is, is I started doing these Facebook lives because I'm, I take a lot of business courses that have nothing to do with plant-based. It's just business mentoring. Actually, I did take a plant-based one because Dr. Pam Popper offers a great business course for plant-based people. But I take these webinars and courses like how to, you know, get, get more business or improve my business. And so one of the things they're saying is do Facebook Live, do Facebook Live. No problem. I was able to learn that. But then they said, well, put it on YouTube. And I'm like, how do you do that? And I was watching all these YouTubes. I couldn't figure it out. So I finally paid somebody to learn. And I am so proud of myself, Katrina, because I spent all weekend taking every Facebook Live and doing what I was supposed to do to make it, uh, I guess it's download and then uploading it on YouTube, things that my husband would do if he had time. And and I think it's important it, nowadays, if you don't have an online presence now, you know, I don't know if anybody would want to do business with you. You know, it's uh, gone is the day of the yellow pages and people answering the phone. You need to have a website and uh, people, people want that immediacy. They want to be able to look you up see what you look like, see what you have to say. It, that's how, it, even in acting now, you know, I used to do acting and now everything, you can even audition online. So it, 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 it you know, I think the more you, pers the more you resist, the more it persists. So either learn the technology and that's what young people are blessed to just come into it, you know, wanting to learn it or get yourself the greatest tech guy in the world because you, you have to do it. You do. It, even if you're not in a vegan business, I don't know any business that can succeed, you know, without some kind of an online presence anymore.
Absolutely. And then on the other side of the spectrum, and as you also run and you're part of live events, such as seminars, often with other um, nutrition professionals, what are some of the challenges involved in these and what tips can you offer there? Yeah, absolutely. So the the thing that's really hard, and I have a lot of friends that are event producers, and I've sort of stopped. I've done 16, and I keep saying I'm not going to do any more, but then you get somebody like Dr. John McDougal who's willing to speak, and you put your hat back in the ring. So I actually am doing one with him next February in Sacramento and one in Vegas through the Ultimate Weight Loss Program. I think the biggest challenge when you do these online events, unless you actually own a place, so for instance, somebody that owns a church that doesn't have to pay rent, but the minute you do them like in a in a like in a hotel, well, guess what? They want the money today. It doesn't matter. It's like when you get married. It doesn't matter if you're getting married in a year at the hotel. They want a huge amount, you know, right now. And it's sometimes really hard, especially in L.A., to sell tickets that far out. And so unless you have a lot of money, you need a lot of money just to reserve the place. And then you worry the whole time if you're going to sell enough tickets. And, you know, and sometimes events have to get canceled. So I think live events, unless that's what you're really passionate about, they can be very rewarding for the people attending, but I think for the producer, I think they're probably the most stressful thing I do. And I've done, actually, I've done more than 16. I've done 18 now, actually. And uh, you need a good team, that's for sure. You need a good production team. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, some good advice there. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so now we talked about um, in terms of uh, competition, like you mentioned, um, you know, there's a lot more people now, uh, vegan culinary and health experts than ever, um, including, yeah. you know, as we mentioned, countless YouTube channels and videos sure. teaching people this and that. Um, so how do you go about standing out both within, say, the vegan yeah. business or the vegan community and outside of it to maintain yeah. a steady flow of work? Yeah. Yeah, that 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 is a, a terrific question. I appreciate you answering it because I'm going to answer it with with the way I believe spiritually, which is that um, there's only one you, there's only one me. It's like snowflakes, no two are alike, and it's always better to be a first rate you than a second rate somebody else. And so <laughs> I, I love that. I, yeah, <laughs> That's so a great soundbite. <laughs> and, and so I think the way to succeed in any endeavor, any business, is to have what my partner Jen Pierre calls laser beam laser beam focus. I don't believe there's any competition in the world. At least that's what I learned from my, some of my spiritual teachers like Louise Hay. There's no competition. And if you believe that, you get very small and your world gets very small. And I know a lot of people in the plant-based world think that we're all competing for the same little slice of kale pie. And it's absolutely not true because the world is bigger than just the people that are vegan. And as a matter of fact, Sometimes it's better not to preach to the choir. That's why I get all these jobs outside the vegan world. I can influence people that are not yet vegan. So what I do personally, and I'm not saying this is the right thing to do, but I know for me, technology can be overwhelming. And because I run an online program, I'm literally at the computer at least four to six hours a day helping the people in my program, answering their emails and interacting on our group. And so the truth is, is I don't have time to to look what anybody, even if I had the interest and I don't, and I'll tell you why in a second, I don't have time to be checking your Facebook page or watching your webinars with all due respect. And so what I did is a couple of years ago, I took myself off Facebook. Now I have a professional page that I spend a little bit of time on, but I have no friends. And so I don't know what anybody else is doing. I don't follow anybody on Instagram, on Twitter, on YouTube, none of that. And the reason is, is because that takes my eye off the ball. And, you know, I'll give you a comparison. And I think this this might make sense to you. So I don't know if you guys have like uh, carnivals in Australia, like where you can win prizes. Do you have anything like that? Have you ever? Sure. Okay. So there's a, there's a very popular carnival game which they also have in Las Vegas, 
uh, at, at, at the Excalibur Hotel Circuit Circus, where there's about, I think, about 12 squirt guns. And you, you squirt water into a little hole, and then it makes the little thing rise, and whoever's balloon bursts first wins. Have you ever seen that game? It's a, it's a carnival game. Yeah, no, I don't think so, no. Yeah, okay. Well, well, yeah, the premise is is everybody has a squirt gun. Everybody aims the squirt gun at a target. And the closer you get to the bullseye of the target, the faster your little thing rises because it's got a balloon attached, and whoever pops the balloon first wins. So we have a place here called the Santa Monica. It's like a theme park. And I have a Scooby-Doo collection since I'm in my 20s. I had a dog named Scooby, and I collect Scooby-Doo memorabilia. And they had this Scooby-Doo doll that you couldn't get anywhere else. And I wanted it, and I said, you know, I'll give you $100. They just wouldn't sell it to me. You had to win it. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, you can never win a carnival game. It's impossible. And so what I did is I stood there, and I'm not kidding, Katrina. I stood there for an hour, and I watched, and I said, somebody is going home with a prize. Every game that's played, this isn't fake. Somebody's balloon is popping, and somebody is getting a prize. So I said, I'm going to figure out the system. Maybe it's a certain seat. Maybe there's a certain squirt gun. But it wasn't that. What I noticed is the people that won looked at the target the entire time, never took their eyes off the target and kept shooting. The people that didn't win kept looking around them to see where they were in the race compared to other people. And I took, well, first of all, I did that and I won my Scooby-Doo, but I took a life lesson from that. And, you know, even as a person, like, I'm not very athletic, and I don't really, to be honest, like team sports. Even when I did do things that were athletic, it was always like golf or bowling. Games that I could play where it didn't matter if I won or lost you, where I was always improving my own score. And so that's what I do with my business is I wish everyone else well, but I don't have time to see what you're doing. And the other thing is, if I don't know what you're doing, you can't accuse me of copying you because I don't know what you're doing. And so I think you just need to to, to work on yourself and your business and not worry about what every new shiny penny that comes along is doing. And I think, you know, I think that was really how you become successful is you just keep putting one foot in front of the other and don't, don't take a detour, you know? I love that. And that was a brilliant analogy. I love how you explained that. That was, I, well, I can see the visuals in my mind and, and everything. Well, so that's a really, really great analogy. And, and I think it's true. It's that whole comparison thing. It can be quite uh, demoralizing and paralyzing. You know, if you look at what someone else is doing, you say, oh, they've got more followers than me, or they've been doing it longer. Why am I bothering? It can really kind of stop you doing what you're doing. So, you know, yeah. I, I, the other thing is, is what people don't understand, and I do now because I have a coach, and that's one thing I always recommend. I recommend this to everybody. It doesn't matter. Like, I'm people's coach for wanting to lose weight and recover from food addiction. Everyone does better when they have a coach. Followers doesn't always translate into financial success. And I'll never forget how I was uh, being asked to speak in a free event, a VegFest. And they're like, well, but you only have, you know, 10,000 Facebook, uh, 10,000 YouTube followers. I said, yeah, well, you should see how many are on my mailing list. And you should see how much I make compared to this person that you're having. And so, so what I'm trying to, and and I said, don't care me. I don't care. I don't need to work for free. The point is, is that, that, yes, very often somebody that has a million followers has a lot of money, but it doesn't always translate. So if somebody doesn't have a million followers, that doesn't mean that they're not successful financially or in their business. Not to say that, you know you shouldn't be on social media but that's not the that's not the be all and end all you know some of the most successful people i know financially aren't even on facebook and twitter and instagram you know 
Yeah, absolutely. That's really good. Yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out. Now, I noticed you mentioned earlier you have a business partner, um, Jean-Pierre. Yeah. What, what are the benefits or otherwise of having a business partner? Because that can yeah. be a little bit of a risk if you've got right. someone well, else yeah, involved yeah. in your business. Well, when I say he's my partner, my husband is truly my financial partner, like in the LLC, but but he's my partner in the Ultimate Weight Loss Program. And it always, I, well, it doesn't always help, but for me, it helps to have somebody who who is like-minded, who has my back, who so when I have to travel on the cruise for eight days can be monitoring the boards. So to me, it's it's very helpful uh, to to have somebody that that is helping me in my business that way. I mean, some people may, maybe don't need a partner, and you know, of course, when there's more people, that means a smaller slice of pie when you when you when the paycheck comes in. But I it's okay because nobody cares more about animals and saving the world than him. So he, I'd rather pay him than anybody. You know what I mean? Anybody you pay him goes to animals anyway so it's like it's awesome you know to have somebody with that kind of ethics and integrity um you know that's the thing i see a lot of people in other fields that that's when they break up uh their business because they aren't getting along with the person they're working with so just you make sure that if you're working with somebody choose very carefully you know yeah, that's a very good point. Very good point. So in yeah. terms of um, marketing and PR, the, I, again, I ask everybody this question, the use of the word vegan in your marketing materials on your website, your branding, some people think, oh, no, it's too limiting and it, you know, it can yeah. scare some people away and others, no, no, it's more popular now. It's clever niche marketing. Yeah. Marketing. Tell us about your thoughts on this and, and no. tell us about your use of whether you no. use the word you know, in your marketing. No, I, and here's the funny thing, and I'm embarrassed to say I don't I don't make my website, my husband does, and I just, I just clicked open to see. I don't think... I don't okay so here's the thing I don't think we go all out and stay vegan but we don't shy away from it either you know what I'm saying so so at the end of the day everything I teach of course is not only vegan but it's whole food plant-based gluten-free sugar-free oil-free salt-free we don't say that either necessarily because I do think um we we offer a 30-day money-back guarantee and we've had only one person ask for a refund because it was a plant-based program the reality is is we are telling people that we're going to help them lose weight, feel great, uh, gain health, gain energy, get off their medications. And when people are highly motivated to do some, they'll do that. They'll do anything, even eat plants. And so while it, it, we're not we're not just trying to deceive them, but I think that for some people, vegan has a charge that it's more like kind of an ethical thing, which I am, and I'm not ashamed to be. Whereas plant based means it's more health. Like so, like I say, we don't shy away from it, but we don't necessarily call ourselves that. Now, me personally, if you saw me, you'd know that in my daily life, I usually have a vegan T-shirt on. So it'll say, you know, maybe say I don't know what is the last one that said I can't remember. Miyoko Shinner gave it to me, but it was just a wonderful shirt. Or I'll have earrings that say vegan, or a necklace that says vegan. So I'm always advertising that. My license plate frame will say that on my car. So I'm not ashamed or embarrassed to do that. But in business, I think that at least in some of the places I speak that are hoity-toity, it works better when I don't even say what the diet is until I get there. You know what I mean? Wow, that's great that you can do that. Yeah. Isn't that that's, that's, again, that's a form of advocacy. I think, you know, you're kind of infiltrating and getting there and spreading the vegan message. Whereas, like you say, if you kind of said, right, this is a vegan program, they probably yeah. wouldn't, possibly wouldn't have you there even in the first place. So, yeah, no, it, I, yeah. I, it, it's true because because he, I thought here's the other thing and that's why it just kind of uh, piggybacks to the question you just asked about like aren't you worried about the competition? I, I'm not because there's here's the thing there's nobody like me anyway in my, nobody has my personality anyway so even if they delivered the same information it wouldn't come out the same it's sort of like you know if an actor uh, when you audition for an acting role 
they, 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 they see hundreds of people because even though it's the same script, it's going to come out different no matter who says it. But the thing is, is I'm, I'm, I'm in a niche within a niche within a niche. I'm, you know, I work part-time at True North Health for Dr. Goldhammer. So everything I do is not just vegan. It's whole food, plant-based, no oil, no sugar, no salt, no gluten. So how many people do that? I mean, I can only think of three chefs that even know how to do it and do it well. So I'm not worried in that aspect, you know, and, um, but you can imagine saying that is not going to actually get me cooking jobs or chef jobs because people are going to think it doesn't taste good. So I remember years ago when I first got into Rancho La Puerta, I kind of just said I'm vegetarian because the truth is, even though I'm all these things, I'm, I'm vegetarian too, right? And so yeah. then I get there and they're like, what, what do you mean you don't use eggs? What do you mean you don't use dairy? What do you mean you don't use fish? And they were like, re- the first class I taught there, they were really worried. they like, what have I done? because they, they just like, they couldn't imagine anybody cooking without salt or oil or sugar. But I remember after my first class, the, everyone, they're all, almost everybody that works there is Mexican because we're in Mexico. And so after we are done with the cooking class, the staff gets to eat. And these are all people that are, you know, from Mexico and they ate the food and they loved it. And right then I knew I would be invited back because the food tasted good despite all the things. And so I think sometimes less is more when I'm trying to say who I am. So I, I just say, you know, it's really healthy. It's unprocessed. I say I'm unprocessed because I am. And then maybe they, maybe it confuses them, but at least it gets my foot in the door. You know what I mean? Because if you oh, tell yeah. people like, yeah, you know, all, all the no's, it's like, oh my God, well, what what's left? Well, a lot is less fruits, vegetables, whole grains, legumes, nuts and seeds and avocado, but people can't think that way. People only hear what you can. So again, you know, my husband wishes probably that I would embrace the vegan more, but, but I do when I get there, but also like, you know, you can't, well, I don't want to say you can't, you can do whatever you want, but if you want to be invited back, they do not, at least in the spas I teach, they don't want people to feel bad for their choices. And so they don't want you to be beating them up over the head for eating animals and stuff. So, so I just take a different approach and it's like, I don't even talk about their animal eating. I just say, okay, well, like, what can we do to get you to eat more plants and to make it taste delicious? And that's sometimes what you have to do because, you know, not everybody's vegan. I hate to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. No, that's fantastic. What you're doing really great advice. Now you're the author. Um, are you talking about unpro- unprocessed you're the author of um, a book called unprocessed how to achieve yes. vibrant health and your ideal weight now having a book it's a fantastic way to position yourself as an expert um, as well as you know raising the profile of your brand um, now yes. I noticed you chose to, to self-publish the book using Amazon's um, yes. create space print on demand platform yes and, and you know here's the thing and I, and I get asked this question a lot by first-time authors should I self-publish or should I go with a publisher And then the question I say is, well, what are your goals? Because, see, I needed money. If I was going to quit my job that I was making a salary at to do this, I needed money. And when you go with a publisher, unless you're like Stephen King, right, or, um, you know, having a book that's going to sell a million copies, publishers do not pay very well. Uh, My As a matter of fact, John Pierre's book, he is with the largest metaphysical publishing company in the world. He makes 40 cents a book. You can't live on 40 cents a book. To me, giving my book away would be like giving a child away. Now, I've had publishers come to me that would be willing to publish my book. And even after Unprocessed came out, I was offered what I thought was a hefty sum for it from Dr. McDougall's publisher. And I said, well, should I take it? And he couldn't advise me on that. He was just telling me that it was a good publisher. And 
my my uh, my contributing author didn't want to do it. And I at first I was really mad because I was like, well, you know, but then we can't get into bookstores. And well, he was right because we ended up making like 10 times more money not giving the book away because, you know, the I have friends that, that have publishers and they're at the top of their game and they're only making between 80 cents and $1.20 a book. Well, since most books cost between 15 and $20, guess who's making the the, the making it all it's sort of like the pimp prostitution thing you know the prostitute does all the work but yet the pimp gets all the money and i'm not saying that publishers are pimps but I, <laughs> at the end of the day <laughs> sorry about that if there's any listening it's not that i would never go with a publisher and um and, and i think i think publishers can do some things great for some people but my friends that have gone with them it takes forever to get your book out because they're micromanaging and editing. And, you know, I had a mentor in business that told me because I was the same way, you know, I, 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 I was waiting and waiting to get my book out. And he told me his name is Darren, um, uh, Darren LaCroix. He was uh, one of the world champions of public speaking. And he said eight words to me that changed my life forever in 2010. When I took his seminar in August, he said, done is more profitable than perfect. And right then I wrote my book and it was out within a few months. And is it perfect? No, I got, but I got a lot of good star reviews on Amazon. I know the book has delicious recipes. It's helped people. So, you know, um, even, even very well established authors now, and I'm not talking about plant-based, I'm talking about fiction writers, they're self-publishing now because you, make way more money my book pays my rent every month and even though I have friends that have you know sold 100,000 copies I still made more money than them because they're making you know a dollar a book you know over all these years so I guess it really just depends what your goals are and um, that's how I feel about that and, and if you don't need the money then sure go with a publisher but if, if money is a priority to you then I think you will make a lot more money on a, a self-published book which when it starts doing well, we'll get the attention of the publishers if you want to do that. For sure. And as you say, I'm, I'm guessing that you mentioned as well that the book pays the, the fees and the book pays the rent, which is awesome. And also, I'm, I'm guessing it helps you having that book helps you to get into places and to teach Absolutely. in places. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. They can see your presence on Amazon. And the, and the other thing, again, you know, not for having a publisher, I have friends that have and they would never have a publisher again. At the end of the day, you're going to be the one promoting your brand and book anyway. It's not like the publisher just magically does this for you because the public, you're not the only client of the publisher. You know, they have lots of books and hopefully they will promote yours. But yeah, I think having a book is like having a very nice calling card, a, a very expensive calling card. But I do think it establishes you as somewhat of an authority and gives you credibility. And uh, yeah, and I'm writing another one right now. It's written, it's being edited. So I, I never intended to be an author. I'll be honest, just sitting around is like, like I hate more than anything. I guess I should get a standing desk and a treadmill like Dr. Greger. But I think, uh, I do think, uh, I think what a book can do is like, I remember I was taking, I take a lot of seminars and they're all business seminars. I was taking a seminar years ago with Robert Kiyosaki who wrote a best-selling book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And he basically yeah. said, he didn't make the money on the book. He made the money on the game, which, by the way, I have. I got as a present, which was like about $200, I think, because the book was like an advertisement to buy the, the game, you know. And so uh, and so with the book, it helps get you. It's a, it's a, it's a very low-cost entry point, usually anywhere between $15 and $20, which can help people buy your other stuff, you know, your more expensive programs, your coaching, your, you know, your DVDs, things like that, your, your seminars. Exactly, which is another reason for self-publishing because a mainstream publisher is not going to let you do that. Whereas you can put what you know, you can put adverts in and you know mention your book. And if it's an e, you know, if you've got an e-book format, you can put link direct links Absolutely. to your to buy your program. So yeah, there's certainly some Absolutely. some good reasons Absolutely. to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. 
seminars and I, you know, and I know when publishers are on the panel, they always say go with us, but you know, I, I don't know. I just, I don't see the, I mean, you know, I feel like the guy in Jerry Maguire, show me the money and publishers give you like a little bit, what seems like a lot up front, but then you got to, then you have the pressure to sell the book. And the other thing, let me tell you, another thing I love about self-publishing is remember, I care about the environment too. And when you self-publish through Amazon Create Space, every book is print to order. So I don't, they don't print 4,000 copies that may sit in a warehouse. So I'm saving trees. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Brilliant. That was yep. lovely. Thank you. Yep. So what about advice? What, if you, so as you said, you left um, a paid job in, was it 2006? You you quit the, um, the main? Well, no, I, let's see. When did I quit? I think it was 2000. I'm trying, oh, gosh, I'm getting old. I'm trying to remember the time. Well, <laughs> I really I really quit working in, for anyone but myself in 2011. That's when I really was self-employed from then on, like no other job, you know, Got I always it. kind of kept my finger, my, my finger, I kept my toe in, like I would still like, like when I was rich, uh, an activity director, well, I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to work three days a week or whatever. But I got, you know, what happened is the book came out February 2nd, 2011. My first speaking job was at McDougal. God bless him. He has given me more opportunities than anyone, him and Dr. Goldhammer to, uh, to get my message out. And, uh, and then I started being asked to speak and I, I just couldn't, I couldn't hold down a regular job because, you know, you, if you have a job, you have to commit to certain days and hours. And I couldn't because I would have, you know, the opportunity to, to travel somewhere. So yeah, 2011, uh, uh, is when I completely, the book, wait, the book came out, excuse me, what am I thinking? Yeah. The, yeah. When the book came out, absolutely. The book came out in February and by August of that year, I was self-employed a hundred percent. Yep. So what advice, that's fantastic. So what advice would you give um, AJ to people who, you know, at the moment they're in a salaried job, but they're really keen to start their own um, ethical you know, business, run it on vegan principles. What, um, what advice would you give to them before they make that leap from employed to self-employed? Wow. Well, make sure they love what they're going to do more. You know what I'm saying? I mean, because it's, it's, it, it is hard getting a bit, it's always, you know, Doug Lyle always uses this as an analogy that it's really hard to get an airplane on the ground, but off of the ground. But once it's in the air, it's not so hard to fly. Uh, I, I would just make sure that, you know, maybe they even, they either have enough financial reserves or uh, can get them because it is scary, you know, to quit a salary job. It, it's very scary if you don't have some reserves, you know what I mean? So yeah. I'm, I couldn't do that. If I, if I wasn't married, I don't think I could have could have done what I was doing now. Uh, have some reserves and make sure you love it. And what I would say is even before you quit that job, do do what you're going to do a little bit to make sure that you love it. You know what I'm saying? It's sort of like, you know, sometimes jobs have like a trial period. And I, it, like, like, like to give an example, um, I, I was teaching cooking while I was still employed in other things. I wasn't doing it full time, but I was teaching at culinary school because I wanted to make sure I liked it, you know, and I, I also I wanted to get good at it. And by the way, doing it's a, it's a good to, thing to do right now is try to get good at what you want to do. So if you have a salary job, for example, I don't know, let's just say you're a lawyer, whatever, um, or whatever, you accountant, doesn't matter. So you've got these certain amount of hours you have to work, uh, 40 hours or whatever, but you got all those other 120 or whatever where you don't have to work. Well, start honing your craft. So, for example, if you want to be a speaker, you don't just quit your job on Friday and then Monday you're a well-known public speaker and author. Be, prepare. 
Start going to Toastmasters now. Start learning how to craft a speech. If you want to be a culinary instructor, start teaching classes, even if they're volunteering at the church or in your home. But don't wait till you quit your job to do what you want to do. Incorporate some of it right now. And I think I always did that, actually. And I, I, I wasn't really realizing I was doing it, but I realized I did uh, because otherwise it's going to be real scary, you know. Absolutely. Now, that's some fantastic advice. So final couple of questions, um, AJ. So many business owners say that, you know, running and owning their own business, it's the fastest and most effective form of personal development because it forces you out of your comfort zone. Um, What personal qualities do you believe are essential to staying the course and running a successful business? I think I think the quality that's most important in running a successful, I can't say that word, successful business it's probably the quality that's most important in just living life, and that's resilience. Because you have to be willing to weather any storms. You know, what's nice about a salary job is, is, is the salary, is the benefits, right? You know, I think about people like my veterinarian who's, let's see, he's about 65. I've been going to him for, gosh, over 20, 25 years. And I'm thinking he, he went to high school, he went to college, he went to vet school. This is the only job he's ever had. And I'm sure he's very happy and he's very good at what he does. And then I look at my life and um, I've had a million, not a million jobs, but I mean, I was a caterer. I was a respiratory therapist. I was an activity director. I was a poker dealer. I was a dog walker, you name it. And I think, I think if you have, I don't want to say more talent necessarily, but more avenues for your, you know, more things that you can do, that's going to be helpful than if you just did one thing your whole life, because when you're a business owner and especially a small business owner where you don't have employees like we don't, you have to wear a lot of hats, you know, um, you're the one that has to mop the floor and you're the one that has to answer the phone. So I think the more diversified you can be, the more interest you've had and the more experience in different jobs, I think that is going to help you at the end of the day. To, to be able to, to wear many different hats because that's really what's required. But then the benefits are great because when you work for yourself, you don't have a boss who's an asshole unless you're an asshole and you're your boss. <laughs> no that's that's really excellent advice actually no that's that's great and I hear what you're saying about resilience it's interesting you say that because when I uh, I interviewed vegan business owners and entrepreneurs both for my book and the podcast when I asked them that that's the number one cited quality is resilience because you've got to be able to yeah develop that like you know I often say to people because sometimes you've got to be able to deal with criticism because not everybody's going to love you you know what I mean sometimes people can take it really serious you know really personally and it's like if you're going to run a business you've you've got to yeah develop that and, and skills yeah. that yeah to, to move you know, on with it, that, so. you know I was just thinking I think number two is customer service and you know I I really um admire people like when you go to a store you know and the people in customer service they're often being yelled at and whatever if you can you know I I, I jokingly I joke because my husband really handles the customer service because I do not have the personality for it I have a personality <laughs> a bit like Dr. John Bulldog McDougall, but my husband is a very gentle soul. And, you know, I told, I always joke, I say, Charles, the only thing I don't like about customer service is the customer and the service. But, but the thing is, <laughs> you don't have good customer service. Um, you know, it's again, like, you know, my business isn't on Yelp, but, but it is so important, especially nowadays with the internet, because people can really say bad things about you, whether they're true or not. And that's why, you know, he, we offer a money back guarantee and we, you know, we strive our best to, you know, we can't make everyone happy, but we definitely try to make as many people happy as we can, because I I think that, I think it's really important. It's important anyway, but in this day and age, you know, with the internet, you know, 
gosh, you know, you go on Yelp and you see what happens when you don't have good customer service, right? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Excellent. So final question. And what's your long-term vision for yourself and your brand or anything you want to let us know that you've got in the pipeline? Well, yeah. Hmm. Like it, you know, my, how, <laughs> I said earlier, I want every, I mean, I just, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking about two things because what I want for myself and what I want for the world. I want, I want, you know, obviously all the animals to live out the rest of their life in peace. I want vivisection to be illegal. I want spaying and neutering to be mandatory. I want, I want, <laughs> I want no one to ever eat meat again. Obviously that's maybe not that realistic. So uh, that's what I'll be doing till I take my last breath. But for me, I would like uh, to stay at home, <laughs> like a stay-at-home dog mom, because I've been on the road for six years, so I'm working even harder to create more of an online business so that I don't have to do quite as many speaking gigs every week all over the world. And uh, I do have a television show called Healthy Living with Chef AJ. They just asked for another season, so I'd like to get more sponsors and maybe get uh, you know more exposure that way because I really do enjoy doing that, even though that's not what brings me uh, financial success. Got a new book coming out, The Secrets to Ultimate Weight Loss, probably not till the beginning of next year, but hope that does real well so that gives me the ability to stay home and because I I can help just as many people now by doing these webinars and doing uh you know with with Skype and and webinar jam you know I don't necessarily have to go um on a cruise ship to speak to 2,000 people and so that would be just the coolest thing ever if I could spend more time at home because I'm a homebody believe it or not fantastic that's wonderful yeah. and that's a even good and that's I think that shows as well you know it's, it's been great that you are able to embrace like you said you know you have that resistance to technology and now you've seen the benefits of it and I think it's wonderful oh that we can embrace oh that at, at any time of our lives and it because it can really help yeah. oh my god I wish I was an early adopter I mean the people that were early adopters they're big I don't know what it was and I it runs in the family I guess but but yeah I think I think a lot of times we're afraid of something new and and you know I think about maybe people that come to this diet they're afraid too I think people just are afraid of change for some reason but but yeah. change is good you know I mean it, it, it's hard but it's I mean once you get it it's like I mean can you you know if you've never had an iPhone you don't know what I'm talking about but like once you have one can you even yeah. imagine like I can't I've only had one for a few months and I'm like I can't imagine life without you you know Seriously, I hate you. so so yeah it's, it's just embrace change and don't be so afraid um you know and like we said the people that have the day job i mean i don't know what their day job is but if it's a career that that you know you know you can always go back to it too you know don't think about you know don't do something so you have something to fall back on but but you know don't worry about it take the leap you know one of my mentors said you know just be willing to jump off the cliff and know that you will gain your wings on the way down Right. Lovely. That's a lovely analogy. That's fantastic. You've been absolutely wonderful, um, AJ. I've really enjoyed um, speaking with you today and you've shared so much wonderful information. Thank you very, very much for joining me today. It's been very, very fun. Thank you. So that was Chef AJ. You can find out more at chefajwebsite.com. And that link is on the show notes page at veganbusinessmedia.com forward slash podcasts and going to episode 49. Now for our vegan business news roundup. Etsy brand Bria Cosmetics has released a vegan eyeshadow palette inspired by the popular TV show The Gilmore Girls in time for its resurrection on Netflix, reports Veg News. 
17 shades are available with quirky names such as Vicious Trollop, which is a reference to Lorelei Gilmore's overbearing mother Emily, Hit by a Deer, which is a nod to daughter Rory Gilmore, and it all comes out in Moron, (laughs) inspired by Rory's mother Lorelei. Owner Brianna Jane launched the cosmetics brand in 2013. All her products are inspired by pop culture references, use organic oils and are chemical and cruelty free. The eyeshadows, which can be purchased individually, come with a Gilmore Girls themed hand painted cap. Now, whatever your thoughts are on the Gilmore Girls, this is a clever move by Brianna Jane to develop a new line inspired by the show and release it just in time for its new series. It's a smart way to associate yourself with a high-profile show without needing to get their permission. So have a think if there's a way that you could do this with your products or services. In other cosmetics news, Estee Lauder has announced plans to buy vegan company Too Faced in a deal worth $1.45 billion, reports the Wall Street Journal. The company, which was founded in 1998, primarily sells its products at cosmetics retailers such as Sephora rather than at department store makeup counters. Some of its products have quirky names such as Better Than Sex Mascara and Chocolate Bar Eyeshadow. And the owner, Gerard Blandino, has grown the brand mostly through social media and blogger outreach. Now, the move angered many animal rights advocates who argue that the brand is selling out because Estee Lauder still tests its products on animals. Blandino said on Instagram that it will never change its own policy on no animal testing, adding that it had ironclad rules in place that will ensure we will never test on animals and we will not sell in China, where animal testing is still required. So this is another one of those dilemmas that vegans and animal activists will likely see continue. It happened last month with Tyson buying a share in vegan food company Beyond Meat and other large companies buying vegan brands. So on the one hand, it can be seen as a good thing because it means big businesses are recognising consumer demand for ethical products. But on the other, it's viewed as a cop out, making the umbrella company money. What do you think? Feel free to tweet me at Katrina Fox with your thoughts. Vegan shoe company Keep has teamed up with Adam Horowitz from the Beastie Boys to create a sneaker or trainer if you're in the UK or Australia and profits will go to Planned Parenthood, reports CBS News. Horowitz, aka Ad Rock, said... I collaborated with my friend Una Kim, founder of Keep Shoes, not just because I wanted warm sneaks, but because I support small business. I support women-run business. I support Asian-American-run business. Net proceeds of this shoe will be donated to Planned Parenthood because I support a woman's right to choose and feel that women should not be punished for making decisions about their own lives and bodies. Hallelujah. (laughs) I love this quote and what a great collaboration. I've already seen a lot of people on social media posting that they want to buy the sneakers because of the feel good factor. You get to buy a cool pair of shoes, support a vegan, woman run, Asian American run business and benefit a feminist organization. Excellent. That ticks a lot of boxes. Love it. 
More good news for 2017. You may remember in last week's episode, I reported on some analyses and reports that plant-based eating will continue to grow next year. Now, another consulting firm has confirmed the trend. New York-based Bauman Whiteman released their Food Trends report recently, which found that plant-based options in restaurants will increase. The company said, we've reached a tipping point for vegetables. I love that. <laughs> what a great soundbite. We've reached a tipping point for vegetables. Yay! <laughs> and noted that people are pushing animal protein to the side of the plate or entirely off it. The company has identified this trend as root-to-stem dining and cites several eateries, including Philadelphia's fine dining restaurant Veg, as being early adopters of the trend. This is fantastic. I love this. The more research by reputable firms like this, the better it helps to mainstream plant-based eating. Finally, a story that I'm both weirded out by and fascinated with. German candy company Catches is bringing its world-first 3D printed vegan gummy sweets to the US through a collaboration with toy store Go Games and Toys, reports Veg News. The company uses a technology they call the Magic Candy Factory, which is a specialised printer that first debuted in Katia's Café Grün Ohr in Germany to publicly beta test its concept last year. Customers use their iPads to connect with the machine to create the sweets, which are made from a vegetable gelling agent. In-store and online buyers can choose from preset shapes or make the gummies fully customisable using text, photos or company logos. They come in eight flavours with several toppings, including edible glitter, and are printed in just five minutes. Oh my gosh, I don't know what to make of this. <laughs> I find it kind of cool, weird and a little bit disturbing all at once. The idea of printed food is pretty out there and it's doing weird things to my brain. But I must admit, they've got me at edible glitter. <laughs> I'm a complete sucker for all things sparkly, as those of you who follow me on social media know. Well, we're certainly seeing some interesting innovations and, of course, love that these gummies are vegan. So what do you reckon? Would you eat 3D printed gummies? Tweet me at Katrina Fox to let me know your thoughts. So that's it for this episode of Vegan Business Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, I'd really appreciate it if you gave it a review and rating on iTunes or any other platform you're listening on. Finally, I encourage you to head over to veganbusinessmedia.com where you can find more resources, including details of my media and PR consultations, copywriting, editing and proofreading services to help you grow your vegan business. I'm Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business, and I look forward to catching up with you in the next episode of Vegan Business Talk. Bye for now. 